Hi, my name is Olivia Neal, coach of the Flyers. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskinen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 No! Oh no! Oh! Oh no! It's an emergency Snow the Goalie podcast, and it's not a happy one. It's not a joyful one. It's a. We kind of thought this could happen, and here we are. Pod. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by my lovely co host, the ever recovering but effervescent. Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter and Instagram, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, at Ant San Philly. Anthony, big news. We got we have two things that we're going to get into today. Um, we've got the COVID shutdown of the Flyers. And of course, we have uh, Ron Hextall, a former guest on this podcast, uh, becoming a trader. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But we we have to get into this. First of all, how, how are you as you recover from, you know, this this virus? Yeah, you know, my, my situation is a lot different than professional athletes. Um, I'm doing okay, doing well. Um, I feel slightly better than I was last week when we recorded. Um, they're all baby steps, man. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one to get to overcome, but um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I feel pretty good. You've got a white background. There's an echo. Are you in the gulag? Where are you? Let me get closer to the mic. Here we oh, go. That's better. That's, that's yeah. much better. Where, what are you doing? Where are you? I, it's just the light that I'm under. Oh. Like if I angle this, you'll... Yeah. It's different. Wow. This is good pod for those who yeah. aren't watching but are listening. This yeah. is great. Uh, by the way, before I, before I say anything, because I know I told you to make a note of this, I want people to know because maybe not everybody knows this. We are now available. I mean, we, we've been forever on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Of course, they're now moving that over to YouTube music. I don't know what's happening there. doesn't really matter. They're pushing people to Google Podcasts. But we are now also available over on Amazon Music. So if you have a, an Echo, if you have an Echo Dot, any kind of an Alexa-based device, heck, even if your car, if you have uh, the Alexa audio installed, you can ask Alexa to play Snow the Goalie. Now, I have not tested it on it an Echo itself. You did? Yeah, it okay. works. You should be able to just say, Alexa, play snow the goalie and it should work if it doesn't add a flyers podcast if you're on an apple device and you have siri you could say hey siri play oh crap it's gonna happen on my computer play snow the goalie a flyers podcast and it'll take you there and if you have an android or any kind of a device that has google you can just say hey google play snow the goalie and it'll pull up the newest episode so if you weren't aware without even having to click on anything without having to go to any new uh you know menus or anything it's there because we care about you the person you, the people, you, the listeners, we care about all of you. Anthony, wouldn't cool. it be nice if the league cared about their players? Oh, no. Out of, out of an abundance of caution, I'm going to retract what I just said. And let me throw this to you. Are you surprised that this happened this season, that the Flyers become, what is it, the fifth team to have any kind of a shutdown as a result of players going through the COVID protocols? No, I mean, we saw it in baseball. We saw it in the NFL. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was uh, hairy scheduling for both of those leagues. Um, I believe the Baltimore Ravens 
played on all seven days of the week this year. Um, so that was interesting. No, you, you, <laughs> excuse me. You knew the NHL was going to face it. I mean, they're indoors. They're in a cold environment. It's a physical sport. I mean, it's likely that they're passing this back and forth to one another. Um, so you, you kind of had, had to expect it. Um, it. It's happening a lot quicker and, and uh, more frequently with more teams than I thought it might. I thought it might be, you know, one or two teams here and there. It, there's five teams on pause right now. And if you look at the calendars, there's not much space to fit these games in. So I, I don't know what the NHL plans to do. I mean, right now, <laughs> the St. Louis Blues and the Arizona Coyotes, because of all the pauses on other teams, are playing each other seven consecutive games in the regular season. Think about that. That's crazy, right? Um you know, the Flyers had two games against the Devils later this week um, postponed. I looked at the Devils' calendar. They play every other day for the rest of the season. With I think they had one or two times where they had days off in a row, but that's it. Like, where are these games going to fit in? I don't know how they're going to do it unless they either say you have to play three days in a row which the NHLPA is not going to like. Um, expand the regular season by a couple days, which starts NBC to make is it. not going to like. Right, because you're, now you're talking about extending the playoffs, which could run into the Olympics, which the NBC says is a, is a non-starter. Or some teams are going to have to play fewer than 56 games, and you're going to have to make standings determinations based off of points percentage as opposed to total points. It's not good, no matter how you slice slice it. So I, I wouldn't want to be the NHL right now trying to figure this out, 13 games into a 56-game season with all of these postponed games that have to be made up. So let's like squash a few of the, the stupid narratives that are out there and a lot of the dumb questions that I think have come up around this. Now, I will be forthright in the fact that I said when the NBA was running into issues at the start of their season and, and even into the early part of January that like it's problematic. You're going to have to consider doing a two week shutdown. And I know that I got into it with some of the, the people from our site about, you know, once hockey comes around, like I don't think we're going to see the same issues because hockey guys, for the most part, are more of that, you know, the logo on the front, the the we instead of the I, and that nobody's going to want to be the team that ruins it. It was the same mentality that these teams went into in the bubble in Toronto and Edmonton during the postseason. And I think what you're seeing here, you know, it, it was one thing when it was Alex Ovechkin and some of the Caps players that they were just meeting up after, you know, uh, at the team hotel after a, a road game. They weren't wearing masks, etc. Fine. Like that seems like, all right, from a, from in terms of like what the NHL would want, that is reckless behavior defined by the NHL, right? Uh, that is not to throw out to the people who would otherwise get triggered by the concept of saying reckless or not. I don't need people throwing numbers at us like we've had on Twitter over the last couple of hours. Um, 
the the point still stands that the NHL doesn't want these players to interact with each other, especially on the road. No team dinners. There is nothing to be done with teammates in hotel rooms. No getting together. No watching a movie. Colby Cohen, when he was on the show a few episodes ago, he he talked about this about one of his friends who plays on a Western Conference team. Same idea, and and the idea of not being able to socialize with players on other teams outside of the arena. Did you see what the Tampa Bay Lightning did? I did not. On Sunday, and I think it was Stamkos who tweeted it out. I have to go back and check. I think it was Stamkos. They were in a team hotel to watch the Super Bowl, and they were all wearing Buccaneers jerseys, and they took a team photo, all wearing their Bucks jerseys, all together in the hotel, no masks. And it's like, you're going to give the Capitals grief over four guys sitting in the same hotel room, but the Lightning can have a party for 40 people in a hotel to watch the Super Bowl? I don't know. It's yeah. Anthony, it's I, Florida. Things don't apply to Florida. Remember, they were going to secede. There was a whole movement to secede. I'm not even sure it was Texas in Florida. Was I don't know where well, they were. Matter. They play for a Florida team. They don't care. They it's fine. Sunday. So there, there are a whole lot of levels to this. I'm sure that we just had like a bunch of people tune out because they, they got triggered and very upset that we like dare even make mention of that. Um, let's be realistic here. The, the league and the players association are both responsible for what's happening here. They agreed to have a season under these parameters, the players, there was an accepted amount of responsibility on their part mm -hmm. to not do reckless decisions to remain. It was like the trade-off you can have a bubble, which is what the league probably wanted in some in some way, shape, or form, because they knew that they wouldn't really be able to draw revenue, gate revenue, by having fans and stands. Because most towns, most cities, most states were not going to allow fans and stands. The easiest thing to do, theoretically, to ensure that the season went off without a hitch, was a bubble. Players Association was opposed. I don't blame them. We got into this conversation how many times about guys with families, guys with spouses. People who just generally, and it doesn't just apply to them, but like those who would rather not be essentially put in a one area location for months on end. It's not just one month that you're asking of these guys. You're it would have been it would have it would have been five four, months for the regular four or five season. months, and yeah, then, plus the postseason. You're a playoff team. You're looking at another two months, so yeah. it could have been if you're going to the Stanley Cup final, and you were in a bubble from January, you would have been away from your home for seven months straight. That's yep. impossible. You can't do that. Now, could we have made a, a case? Because you and I had talked about this before. Could the NHL have tried to make uh, host cities in four, four major cities because you were going to do four divisions and have it limited to those four cities where geographically it's not a total mess. You're not that far away necessarily from your families. The, can the Canadian division notwithstanding because it goes coast to coast. Could they theoretically have tried to work out a bubble allowing families in? With yeah, constant I mean, we, rapid testing, could they have made an expanded bubble? Well, we, we, also talk, we also talked about, if you remember, the plan that I came up with on my own had those little hub cities mm -hmm. and you were sending, you know, four to six teams in at a time and then teams would get a break after being in the hub. Like you would be in the hub, play the teams that you're going to play and then you know, you play, you know, six games or seven games in the hub and then yep. you come out and you have like a week off. Yep. You know, and that, so that way at least, okay, you're away for 
10, 12 days, but then you come back home and you're home for seven. And that's, by the way, that's no different than a, a pretty decent length road trip right. that teams go through multiple right. times a season. So like that, I thought that was a something that the NHL could have tried. Maybe there was something logistically there that I don't, I'm not aware of. And that would have made it, you know, not work. Um, but look, they, they tried the same thing. Baseball and football tried. Um, baseball finished their season. Uh, they got through it. Uh, football finished their season. Every team played every game. They got through it. So I guess the NHL has a plan in place. We may not know exactly what it is, but they have the plan in place and they feel like they're going to get through this. There's nothing that has creeped out from the league offices. And, and there's a lot of people who like to talk at the league offices um, off record. Um, but there's nothing that has snuck out to suggest that they're, they're really worried that something could derail the season. So they probably have something in place that, they, that they're good with and the NHLPA is good with. We just don't know exactly what it is yet. And by the way, the Tampa Bay Lightning were in Nashville for that Super Bowl. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, because Nashville hasn't had any kind of issues across multiple sports at this point. Tennessee, <laughs> not the place to be. Um, okay, let's talk about how this directly impacts the Flyers. So we're, we're sitting at our respective jobs today. Frank Saravalli first puts out this morning that the game tonight, what should have been happening between the Flyers and the Capitals, was going to be postponed. Uh, due to a COVID protocol issue and that there would be more information forthcoming. I'm sure you reached out to a couple of people in the organization. I did as well. I was told there's going to be a, an announcement within an hour. It was an hour 20. And it didn't first come from the team. It came from the league because right. it's a, because the COVID protocol is a league issue, not necessarily a team issue. Even though you would want to hear from your team first, fine. But it came out through the league. And then we find out, that it's not a widespread outbreak. That was the initial concern that a lot of people had had put out on social media was, is this a massive issue? Are we going to see a devil's sort of thing where it's what, 16 devils 16. right now yep. Yep. are in uh, COVID protocol? Now, let me, just cl- let me just clarify for the listeners. Sure. When you're in COVID protocol, it doesn't mean you've tested positive for COVID. It just means that you've been exposed to it and you could test positive. And that's why you got to monitor it for three days. That's kind of like their, their window, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very possible that the players end up being COVID positive. But just because they're in the protocol does not mean that they have COVID. Now, we know that when Gostas Bear was in the protocol – He did test positive, but we don't know any of the three current flyers that are in the protocol if they've tested positive for COVID-19 or if they're just in there for contact tracing uh, or potential, you know, uh, exposure. And so just to recap, because I saw that there were people who weren't aware that this happened on Sunday. So uh, on Sunday, before the flyers took on the caps, uh, the flyers were told by the league that they needed to do rapid testing ahead of the game. And after rapid testing was completed, Travis Sanheim was pulled as the only player that the NHL deemed necessary to be pulled 
to go and enter the COVID protocol. Now, there are many layers to this, including this was a nationally televised game. And I don't want to say that there was like some kind of deep state conspiracy here, but the optics of having to cancel a nationally televised game on Super Bowl Sunday because of COVID would be one heck of a bad look for the league. So they decided Travis Sanheim was the only guy who had to be out. Now, I don't know if the Caps also had to get COVID tested. I don't think that they had been in contact with with any other team uh, in like the last few days that would have required it. If this hadn't been a nationally televised Sunday game on Super Bowl Sunday, do you think that there would have been a higher chance that the league would have said, we're going to hold off out of, quote, an abundance of caution? We're going to wait because if one guy from this team has to enter COVID protocol and this team just traveled together to get to D.C., chances are it's possible that there are going to be at least one or more other players that are going to have to do the same. Or do you think it would it doesn't matter the the entire time frame here and the the gravity of the situation and the optics had no impact um, because it was just one player. I don't think. It's as bad as it could have been. Um, You're right. They didn't want to cancel a nationally televised game. There's no doubt that they didn't want to cancel that game. Um, So obviously they were a little bit more, I would, let's put it this way. There was not an abundance of caution taken once Travis Sanheim was pulled. Um, whereas Justin Braun and Claude Giroux, who entered the protocol today, canceling tonight's game was done out of an abundance of caution. Um, I I guess the thought process is, I mean, these guys are getting tested every day. Um, you had someone have a test result that came back that you're concerned about. And then two days later, you have two teammates have a similar result. I guess that's why you have an abundance of caution because you're worried that tomorrow we might add more players to that list um, or the next day. But you're right that this same cautionary tale wasn't done on Sunday because it was just one player. Now, if it was two, three players, they probably canceled that game, even nationally televised or not. Um, but because it was only one player, they were, they were more willing to keep the game on. So I, I guess you kind of get into like CDC guidelines on this, right? Like, I don't know how these guys are traveling right now. Plane, train, doesn't really matter. But Well, to Washington, you, they probably took a train. That's what you would think. Yeah. And so unless they were going to stagger seats and stagger rows, I would assume that it, it is possible that the guys were sitting within six feet of each other for longer than 15 minutes, which is why I come back to conceptually. If you thought that one guy should have been pulled, it didn't make sense to play that game because he was inherently going to, if he tests positive, which, you know, we aren't sure of yet, but if he did, then it stands to reason that he was likely going to spread that to at least one other player who could have been in the near vicinity. And so like the out of an abundance of caution thing is, is nonsensical to me, but whatever they opted to have the game be played. 
if you are a member of the Washington Capitals, are you pissed off that the game was played? And are you mad that, well, I guess that really is it. Are you mad that the game was played? Because now in theory, it could affect the Capitals as well. Um, I don't know. Were, were we upset because the first New Jersey player um, tested positive the day after the Flyers beat them three to one in New Jersey. So you ask yourself, were we mad at that point? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely remember saying like, I, I know that at least in my case, it was a, a bit worrisome. It was more of a, you just hope that your team didn't get it. The difference I guess is that he tested positive the day after Sanheim was pulled the day of the game. He was pulled before the game because he needed to enter protocol. So like I, I view that differently. You know, if it's the day after, there was nothing that you could have done about it, you know, versus the day of, if it was bad enough that you had to pull the guy, like I, this isn't, by the way, like this isn't me just trying to, I guess, like fan the flames of, of what this whole thing is. But I, I find it somewhat hypocritical of the league to pull one guy and let the game be played. By the way, I said that it was hypocritical of the NBA to not allow Kevin Durant to play, then allow him in to the Nets game and then pull him again. And then he had to do, I think it's a, it was a seven day quarantine. So he didn't end up playing against the Sixers earlier or at the over the weekend. So to me, like any league that's going to play, a, uh, that's going to pull a player. If you think that it could be an issue and if you think there's a potential of spread at some point, you kind of have to do the calculus on this one. And like, for me, I don't think it made a ton of sense. Fine. The, the now, other, the, the other issue is for us, as we, as I had already pointed out, not, you know, to answer this question earlier, but rescheduling games is not easy. So you're weighing a lot of things there. And I'm sure there was conversation with the player reps, you know, JVR and whoever the player rep is for the caps. Yep. I'm sure both teams talked about it, the league. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of discussion. I don't think it was just an arbitrary decision by the NHL, right? I think there was a lot of um, conversation about it. And I, if everybody felt comfortable enough to go forward with it, then it's okay. Then in my mind, it's okay. Even if it wasn't the smartest call. Well, I was going to, I was going to say, isn't, isn't it then fair to question? Cause a lot of people have had questions about the NHL's protocols of like, when do you cancel games? When do you pause the season? When do you theoretically cancel the season? Shouldn't there in theory be a, a safety valve on this where you should be taking it out of the hands of those various stakeholders to make that decision that well, ultimately it's the you, NHL's call. They're going to sure. make the final call, but I, I, you know, you can't not include all these stakeholders in the conversation and wonder, you know, what their thoughts are. I mean, you might find that the players on the flyers talked about it mm -hmm. and they're concerned and they didn't want to play. Well, if yeah. that's the case, the NHL might sit there and say, well, we were going to play, but if they're really worried about it out of an abundance of caution, we're going to cancel this game. Is that you what know? we call the episode out of an abundance of caution? I feel like that ends up needing to be the, uh, yes. the title. Okay. Um, but, but that's kind of, so like there can be uh, influences on the ultimate decision. 
from those stakeholders. But if the NHL wants to cancel the game, regardless of what anybody else thinks, they're going to cancel the game. But see, that's why I'm saying like that. That's why I'm saying though, like the fact that there isn't, or it doesn't appear that there is a, a predetermined pull the emergency lever situation where you, you then don't have to weigh the ramifications depending on the timing of whenever the game is or whenever in the season, if you allow for those human elements to, to play in, you can either make a poor decision or you could theoretically make a decision that's not in the best interest of your players or of your league because you're worried about trying to reschedule. The, the issue that I see is you're going to play a 56 game season. We knew this ahead of time. They're playing a shorter season than the NBA. They wanted to wait until the, the new year started so that, uh, you know, theoretically maybe the, the science and, and vaccines and everything would have been in a better position. And, and, you know, let's not forget we're about a month away from when some teams were hoping to have fans and stands there, there had been talk optimistic talk that the flyers could even look to have fans in the stands end of March, beginning of April. We didn't even mention this on the last podcast, but the Flyers got that independent well rating. They installed an $11 million HVAC system that can cycle. This is actually kind of crazy. Can cycle the entire lower bowl air in under 30 minutes and bring fresh air in, which I think is crazy. It's, it's really cool. But the technology behind that is kind of bonkers. You had that kind of a thought going into the season. And what you've what you found in the first week of February is that Man, bringing fans in, if we can't even get our own house in order, if we're the players, if we're the league, is going to be problematic. Let's get into the more human element of this entire thing. So Travis Sanheim, young guy. He's, he seems to be fine, right? You've got Claude Giroux and you've got Justin Braun, who were announced today as the other two players who had to enter the NHL's COVID protocol. As you mentioned before, doesn't mean they're COVID positive but they're part of the protocol. I put out a tweet a little bit ago, a couple hours ago, about Claude Giroux has a one-year-old at home. Justin Braun has a five-year-old at home. This, by the way, does not mention the fact that like Sean Couturier has, what, a seven-month-old, six-month-old at home. James Van Riemsdyk, I believe, has a similar, like about a year old, I think, if my math is correct. There are guys on this team who have kids of all different ages. And I merely just put out that those guys are going to have to quarantine from their families for an indefinite amount of time. Depends on what the league ends up ruling. It depends on if they test positive or not. And for some reason, you know, most people were like, that sucks. And that's kind of a bummer. And that's sad. And hopefully their families are going to be fine. Their spouses or their significant others and their kids. And for some reason, we have now like entered this echo chamber for some where instead of just going past something that you don't necessarily agree with, you confront it. And there are people who, instead of just saying, yeah, that's, that's no good. Cause I said, be grateful that these guys opted in because they could have opted out. Imagine what this league would have looked like if the NHL, you know, top players had decided, you know what? I don't want to run the risk. I'm going to opt out this year. Imagine if you had the taxi squad almost as like the replacements as like the scab players, you wouldn't enjoy hockey as much this year. These guys opted in. They make a lot of money. That money doesn't protect them from potentially getting exposed to a virus. And even though the mortality rate of small children is not very high, I don't understand where like the lack of empathy comes from, from some people who would rather throw, you know, minuscule numbers or say it's not as dangerous as the flu. Just shut up. Go past a tweet. 
if your child were to get the virus and say your child is the exception to the rule and your child ends up hospitalized and you can't be there with your child, would you then say, well, you know, at least they're probably not going to die or at least not many die. Just shut up. Have a little bit of empathy. Have just a little bit of human decency. If you're a person of faith and you you believe in like the concept of like treating your neighbor like you want to be treated, I'm pretty sure that there's not like a mainstream religion out there where they say, you know what? Be nice to everybody. Oh, but by the way, if it doesn't kind of fall in line with like what your political leanings are in this situation, the hell with them. Get over that. We don't need that. Everybody's seen the numbers. You can pull whatever numbers you want. I, I understand that the child mortality rate isn't high. The fact that theoretically a child could die is not good. The fact that a child could end up with some kind of long lasting effects, that there isn't enough case studies, there aren't enough case studies, there isn't enough evidence to show what the long-term effects could be. That's not okay. I don't need your numbers. It's insane to me. I don't understand where we've gotten this disconnected as a, as a collective of human beings that should be coming together and being kind to one another. I don't know where that went aside. All right, I'm sorry. You're off your pulpit? I don't even think it's a pulpit, right? Like, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not. I mean, it's, you know, but there are people that are out there that are always going to be the contrarian, always going to come up with, you know, the opposite take. And maybe it's just to get your goat. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe, or, or, or maybe they really believe this nonsense. And that's sad. Um, I mean, it's, I mean it's, not, it's not complicated, right? You, one of these players tests positive. They spread it to their family. That family spreads it to one of their parents who happens to be elderly, and that person dies. Do we not care about that person? Right. Do we say, oh, that's, that's a shame. You know, grandpa was 70-something anyway. He lived a long life. All right, too bad. No, you're you know right. what I mean? Like, what the hell is wrong with people? Like, just, there is a human side to everything. These guys are probably going to be fine. I, I am not worried about the health and well-being of Travis Sanheim, of Claude Giroux, of Justin Braun. They're all in good shape. In theory, like, we don't know their medical history. We assume that they're good. And when I say I don't, I'm not concerned with, it doesn't mean I don't care. It just means, like, I, I'm not genuinely concerned that something's going to go horribly wrong with them. I don't even know if anything's going to go horribly wrong with their children or their significant others. It's just the fact that like these guys opted to come in and play a sport that we all love. They all opted to, to play a season to entertain you a fan. So show them a little bit of decency. If that means that the league has to pause for a week or has to pause for two weeks and they have to eliminate games off the back end of the schedule so they can reschedule or they just flat out cancel some of these games, then fine. I've already seen people complaining. Saying like, well, it doesn't matter. You can't possibly pause the season. You can't pause games. Why aren't they going to go out? Why are they not playing a limited devil squad on Thursday and this weekend? Just stop. This isn't complicated. Just be a decent person. It's not hard. I mean, maybe for some it's hard, but it shouldn't be hard. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, when you look at it, this, this may not be the worst thing in the world. For this Flyers team. Yeah, um, there was a guy who tweeted that exact thing. And he was saying because he thinks that Giroux and Braun are washed. You should have seen the replies to that tweet. 
I know that's not where you were going with that. No, but somebody I actually said like, oh, well, get those guys off. Get some of these young guys. Am I right? Ha 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 ha. No, Sorry, no. Continue. Um, I mean, again, we don't know the length of time that these guys are not available. Could be a week, could be 10 days, could be two weeks. Um, we know Goss Despair missed six games. Um, who knows? But the fact of the matter is, is that the Flyers had three games canceled this week. Now, they're not going to be practicing on ice, but they still could do a lot of virtual video sessions. Um, and there could be a lot of real learning and, you know, coaching taking place over these off days now. And I think, especially if they get any more players beyond the three um, that enter the protocol in the next day or so, yeah. I think the Sunday game against the Rangers is also going to get banged. Um, so, Which the, to me means the, they're not playing again until next Thursday. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. They could, they could figure a lot of things out and talk a lot of things through over the course of the next week or so and then come back on the 18th and everyone's healthy, everyone's good to go, and, you know, they can have the attitude of let's get it. I don't disagree with you. The person that I talked to earlier today seemed to be of the belief that the, the push was going to be to be back on the ice for Sunday against the Rangers. I don't know how you make that happen. Uh, in theory, that would be seven days beyond the, uh, the last game they played. Well, does it, it make more sense out of an abundance of caution to wait until next Thursday? Absolutely. Without I doubt. think, I think that decision gets made over the course of the next couple of days. If nobody yeah. else gets added to the protocol tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, then yeah, you can play Sunday. Um, you might be shorthanded. You yep. might not have Sanheim, Braun, and or Giroux, but that's why you have a taxi squad to fill in those those gaps. And then, you know, you play the game, and you, you're not at a hundred percent. But if anybody else gets added to that protocol, I think that Sunday's game gets banged. It's possible. I guess we will see. All right, let's go to the next topic, and it's a doozy. In any other day, in any other week, this would have been arguably a lead story. Worth doing an emergency podcast, maybe not. But Ron Hextall is a traitor, so we have to have a public trial for him. So Ron Hextall is announced as the new GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it was a move that had come out as recently as, what, a week and a half ago. His name had been floated. I mean, his name has been floated with a lot of different jobs. But watching Flyers Twitter react in real time about a week and a half ago when his name was first floated out and then watching it as it began to unfold today uh, was somewhere between um, glorious and also horrifying. Um, I saw multiple Flyers fans say that uh, this is going to now make them a Penguins fan. I don't know how to feel about those people. But Anthony, are you surprised that Pittsburgh went the Ron Hextall route? And do you think it's going to work? Well, it could. Um, that is not, and no, that that no, that's a head. Well, here's here's the thing, Russ. If it was just hiring Ron Hextall, I'd tell you that 
he'll help rebuild that team and he'll do it while maintaining um, a competitive roster that they currently have, but there wouldn't be any major, major changes other than maybe getting out from Chris Letang. Um, But that he would draft well for them and their future would be bright. I mean, the one thing you got to give Hextall a lot of credit for is when he was with the Flyers, you've had 11 guys that he drafted between 2014 and 2018 who've played for the team this year alone. That's a lot. Including Igor, Igor Provorov <laughs> as the Penguins official yes. <laughs> announcements. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, that's Ron Hextall is a hell of a drafting. Uh, he does a hell of a job drafting, despite the fact that, you know, we've, talked about how he went against the scouts and took Nolan Patrick instead of Heiskanen or uh, McCarr. Um, that pick maybe aside, he's done a really nice job. Um, over, he did a really nice job overall. So he'll draft well for the Penguins. But here's the issue. They also hired Brian Burke to be the president of hockey operations, who Hextall has to answer to. So Burke is really the man in charge. Hextall's the GM, um, and he'll handle the day-to-day, but Berkey's got the, got the plumb position. And Berkey, everywhere he's been in the NHL, has been a swing-for-the-fences kind of, kind of manager. He will make the big trade. He will give up the prospects. You know, He, he will do what it takes to win – here and now. He's not a guy who's going to sit back and let Hextall do what he did in Philadelphia, where you're into year five and the team is still mediocre, right? That's not going to happen with Brian Burke. Not to mention that prior to being hired by the Penguins, excuse me, he was on Twitter and doing interviews saying that the Penguins' competitive window for a Stanley Cup has closed. So, it's going to be a real interesting dichotomy of how this is going to work because they're two guys with kind of opposite philosophies. Now they know each other. Well, they get along. Well, I'm sure that's great. So when I say it could work, it really depends on how they manage together. If it was just Hextall, I tell you, yeah, but the penguins aren't going to be real competitive for five years. But with Hextall and Burke together, it could go really well, really quick, or it could completely implode and be a disaster. I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'll tell you, it's going to be damn interesting to watch. Are you surprised that Hextall took that job knowing that Burke was going to be above him? Because like, I, I don't like to – it's an unfair comparison – but it happened around the same time. So a lot of Philly fans compare Ron Hextall and Sam Hankey. And for those who remember, the Sixers ownership eventually got sick of losing and brought in Brian Colangelo, who was the well-respected front office veteran who had had success at multiple stops. And Jerry, sorry, I don't know if I said Brian before, but Jerry. Jerry Colangelo of USA Basketball fame uh, was brought in and it effectively felt like an undermining 
And then eventually the, the, the point had been made that somebody was going to have to be brought in below him, but above Sam Hinkie to try to make the real moves. And they were just going to let Sam kind of like hang out with the calculator off in the corner and maybe try to like make some margin moves. I'm a little bit surprised. Now, Hextall has worked under some bigger ego kind of people before. I almost feel like it undermines him. And, and maybe, maybe that's, maybe he like he got a gauge of the market of other openings and you say, as long as you have Crosby and Malkin, you always have a chance. And this is a, a good organization to go to. It's a respected organization to go to. And even if it feels like maybe you won't have as much latitude, it's still worth it. And maybe if he feels like he needs to learn from Burke, he can, like I, I'm, I am having a little bit of a hard time rationalizing that move. So two things. One, it's no doubt, it, there's, it's no secret that Hextall wanted to get back into the GM chair for a team. So I think even though he's got to have Burke there with him, it was an opportunity for him to get, you know, to not become a guy who just kind of faded off into the sunset a little bit, um, only getting a one shot, uh, one shot at the prize as the GM of the Flyers and never again. So he, you know, that's, that's motivator. Number one. Um, secondly, he's going in with the knowledge that this is the arrangement. Um, it's probably something that was discussed during interviews. Um, I'm sure it was discussed with Burke as well. Um, and everybody was kind of on board with it. So as long as that's the case and it was, everyone was kind of upfront um, then it's fine. This seems to be a trend of things that's happening in sports. I mean, we have, we've had it happen in two with two teams here in Philadelphia. I mean, you had Elton Brand as the GM, and they bring in Daryl Morey above him. And with the Phillies, they hired Dombrowski first, and then he hires Sam Fold as the GM. Um, but it seems like the general managers are kind of secondary people now. Whereas for the longest time, the GMs were the go-to person. Now this role of president of whatever sports operations are really the people that are running the show. Um, so it's really kind of interesting to me um, that trend and how it's picked up in, in, in other sports as well. And now it's it's parlayed itself into, um, into hockey. It, you know, this is like the first one that I'm really seeing where first team that's going to try it that way. So I think this is going to be a, a really interesting experiment. If teams see the Penguins situation is starting to bear fruit and be successful, I think you're going to see a lot of teams copycat this and bring in two guys, one as the president and one as the general manager and make it work. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm looking to see if it happens, obviously it hasn't happened yet, but we know how close Ron Hextall was with Chris Pryor as an assistant GM here in the, with the Flyers. And Chris Pryor, everybody knows him as Sarge, just an awesome guy. Um, he unfortunately was uh, cannon fodder when... They fired uh, Hextall. He had to go. 
because he was in that little small circle of trust that Hextall had created with the Flyers. I wouldn't be surprised if Pryor, who's kind of been out of the game since 2018, um, is brought in as an assistant GM with the Penguins. Um, and then you're really going to see uh, a lot of what was going on with the Flyers because it was that tandem. I and mean, Chris Pryor's big with uh, scouting as well. Um, that, see, that to me is the move that should have more people worried. Well, if it is, ha- if, is if is if that is if that reunion happens, if that happens, then, I mean, you're going to see you're going to see the same kind of drafting that the yep. Flyers had for for five years, and it was good. Um, and the Penguins could get good quick because of that. Um, but here's the thing that I'm concerned about, Russ. With Uh-oh. This. Uh-oh. And, and it's more because it's going to drive me crazy. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get frustrated. And I wonder if you will too. Uh, but you're the kind of guy who will like, I think, this, who's, who would love it at first. And maybe over time it will eventually get to you. But with Hextall and Pittsburgh, every trade – every free agent signing, every draft pick, every non-move that does not happen that you know you think could have happened or should have happened but didn't is going to be compared between Hextall and Fletcher until somebody wins something. Mm-hmm. This could be, and as I've said to a couple people today, this could be our Flyers version of Wentz Foles. Why did you have to take it there? Why? No, okay. And I think it's going, to dri- it's going to drive me nuts. I think everything is going to be compared to one another. Everything that, that Hextall does, because it's the Penguins, and it's a division rival, most hated rival, and everything Fletcher does, fans are going to compare the two. Yeah. Step by step. And I think it's going to drive me nuts. Because the reason it's going to drive me nuts is every, it's, it's apples and oranges. Every situation is unique. And different. So what Hextall has in Pittsburgh is going to be different than what he had in Philadelphia. And the decisions that he makes there are going to be different than what would than what maybe Fletcher's making here for any number of reasons, you know, financial reasons or health reasons or whatever. You know, the player's not happy there or whatever. Who knows? Like, but nevertheless we're going to see the comparisons nonstop. I think we've seen that already. Like I, maybe you and I just don't roll in the same circles on social, but like it's a thing. I mean, I I think that pretty much every trade deadline, any kind of free agent move, any free agent move that hasn't been made. The question is what would Hextall have done? It's not as loud as when Brian Colangelo was hired by the Sixers and it was a direct comparison to what Hinky would have done. Um, and that, and that, by the way, kind of died off when Elton Brand took over well, and no, it hasn't I, been a thing since. Let me just, let me know. just stop you for a second, because what? what you're saying is I've seen, yeah, I've seen this. They're comparing Fletcher to what would Hextall have done were yeah. he here. What I'm saying is this, that it's not, a this is going to be in real say, time. Yeah. This is going to yeah. be parallel work by yeah. two general managers. And that's where the comparison is going to drive me nuts with two different teams. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it now just to watch you squirm. I'm going to hate I it too. Listen, I, I, will. I will. I will hate it too. I will. But man, like just watching you get upset by it right now is just filling my heart with so much warmth. Um, 
I think he's going to do a good job. But I, I do wonder, and this is part of the problem with the, the structure and the way that it's set up right now is how much of the, um, the credit will he get and how much of the blame will he get? And if it ultimately is a move that is a Burke initiative, is Burke going to fall on the sword if it is a bad move? Or is that going to trickle down to Hextall? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like there was a thought, and I don't remember if I said this on a show with you over the summer um, or during the off season, but it felt like Pittsburgh was starting to kind of wane away. It felt like the rivalry would still be there, but they were kind of entering that twilight of Crosby's career and that they would be a competitive team, but not a cup contender anymore. And that you would start to kind of turn your sights to younger up and coming ish teams like the Rangers, the devils, the Islanders have already caused you problems. And maybe that would kind of be like where this next five, six, seven year window was going to be, you know, getting your attention. This overhaul mid season could be an incredible thing for the flyers and penguins rivalry. Uh, well, I, I just conceptually like the idea of a former flyer is now running the show in Pittsburgh and the vitriol that can come as part of that. Like how do flyers fans now see Ron Hextall? Like I could actually see that becoming a thing now. Like do people legitimately feel like he betrayed the organization by taking a job with a rival? And I, I've, I've seen a mix of emotions so far. I've seen a mix of reactions can you separate Ron Hextall, the player that you're rooted for, and Ron Hextall, the front office member who now could theoretically build a contender that might crush your hopes and dreams of a Stanley Cup when it felt like your team was finally starting to round that corner and, and be a legitimate cup contender? So here's the other thing. This, might, this is going to take him some time. Yeah. Um, Penguins are in cap hell. They're... Barely under the cap. I think it's like a hundred thousand dollars or something. Um, they've got four players on long-term injured reserve with cap hits combined totaling almost $7 million. Um, Brian Dumoulin, probably the biggest name there at 4.1. They got Marcus uh, Pedersen on regular injured reserve at $4 million. <laughs> they have some contracts that they just need to get out from under. Um, that's why you've been hearing, you know, conversations about trading Chris Letang and his 7.25 million for this year and next. Um, or even crazy as it sounds, Evgeny Malkin, 9.5 million this year and next. Um, but they also were handing out no movement clauses and no trade clauses like they were candy. Yep. Um, I mean, freaking Brandon Tanev has a no trade clause. You make moves to be competitive. You deal with the, the repercussions of them after you've hopefully raised the Stanley cup once or more or multiple times. Yeah. And um, when, and when you're up against it, when you feel like you need to take advantage of the, the Crosby Malkin window and what they have left to give, you become a more desperate team and you start making more desperate moves. You look, you, you kind of listed a, a few things there. A normal organization under normal circumstances doesn't do that, but you also want to make sure that you're giving Crosby every opportunity he has to hoist the Stanley cup again. 
Well, here's, here's the other thing that I'd even mention. At the draft in the summer, the Penguins are missing their first-round pick, their third-round pick, their fourth-round pick, and their sixth-round pick. They have a two, a five, and three sevens. So I wouldn't be surprised if Hextall and Berkey are pretty active pretty quick. Now, the one thing is, is the Penguins right now are kind of, you know, in that race for the fourth seed in the division. Um, so you're not, you're not going to just completely abandon ship at this moment. You're just going to let it kind of play out with what you have. Um, and if the team falls out of contention, then players will be traded at the deadline. If they stay in it, they hang around, maybe make the playoffs, give it one more run. But the offseason, before the, even before the draft, you're going to start to see them start trading players. They have to. They have to get rid of – they have to get younger. And their minor league system is not very good. Um, so I think that you're going to see them look to acquire draft picks for players who are already established, even if it means them, you know, eating a little bit of salary. That's, that's the way Hextall is going to approach it. Kind of like he did when he got rid of some bad contracts in his first year and a half with the Flyers. He's going to do the same thing, I think, with the Penguins. It just might not be until the summer. Um, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I'm wondering from the people how they're feeling about it. I want to go to some of the questions, comments, and concerns. We asked for people over on Twitter and on Facebook to hit us up with their thoughts, with their concerns about the pause. And then there were some people that actually threw down about Ron Hextall as well. Let's go over to Facebook first. Uh, Christopher Houck says effectiveness of a bubble of a bubble are all of your families. Okay. How long do you think the flyers will be off for? So we, um, you know, you said that you think they're going to be off until next Thursday against the Rangers. I, I think they're going to try to get Sunday's game in the smarter thing probably would be to, to wait until next Thursday, but well, here's another the effectiveness thing. of the bubble is a good question, but we kind of know how that's going to go. Yeah. Here's another thing to keep in mind. Um, the Rangers are scheduled to play the Devils next week. Um, I think it's Tuesday. Mm -hmm. The Devils have 19 players in the COVID protocol. What are the odds that there are enough guys cleared for them to play on Tuesday at this point? I'm talking a week from today. That's tough. So yeah. if that game gets postponed, then you can move – that Flyers-Rangers game that's scheduled for Sunday yeah. to either Tuesday where it was originally scheduled or even Wednesday. They both have a, a free day on Wednesday. So that's another possibility that gets Smart. you a game before next Thursday but also buys the Flyers an extra two to three days. Um, so that's, a, that's something to just kind of keep in the back of your head. That's probably why the league's not rescheduling these games yet. I think they yeah. want to see how much longer the devil situation is going to get. Um, obviously the flyers, if they get more players uh, added to the protocol. Um, so I think that they're going to keep an eye on that. And then when they know for sure 
then they'll sit there and say, okay, now let's, let's try and fit these games into the schedule the best way we can. So that's a possibility that even if they are, they're off Sunday, they may still play that Rangers game, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, if that Rangers devils game gets postponed. David Mako Jr. And Joe Stringer ask similar somewhat linked questions. So let's throw them all together. So uh, with all the COVID cancellations, is there any danger of the season being shut down? Are the games going to be canceled for contact tracing and could they theoretically just reschedule to play against other teams that have had canceled games? Uh, first, the season. It, it would appear highly unlikely that the season were shut down unless there is a widespread, massive um, uptick in cases that causes, I don't know, half of the league to shut down for a week at a time. Then you're talking about a week to a week and a half pause and then at that point, there's really no way to finish the regular season with 56 games. Like maybe then you just ax those games from the schedule. You go with points percentage. I don't know your thoughts. Well, if they take one thing is, is if you, if you ax one game against every opponent and make it seven games instead of eight, that gets you down to 49 games. Yeah. And, when, and the NHL's had a 48 game season before. So you couldn't, could technically do that, you know, mm-hmm. eliminate, off the schedule, the last game each team has against one another and open up a bunch more dates to reschedule games or potential games that might get affected by COVID. So that's, that's something that can be done. Uh, let's see. Let's go back. Sec- over- what was the second part of the second one was just about, um, are they going to cancel games for contact tracing? Well, they're already doing contact tracing. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what these guys are in the protocol for. That's how they yep. get entered into it. Um, either a positive test or exposure, or being you know having to do contact tracing. I mean sometimes you have a player who may enter the protocol for contact tracing, not because of anything that's hockey related. Could be yeah. that they had a family member who came in contact with someone with COVID, and so now therefore they have to go into the contact tracing. So there's a lot of variables that tie into that, but these, these, the the leagues on top of, you know, testing players or doing contact tracing. Um, And that's what guys get put in the protocol for as well. I love the question. Uh, I saw that you responded to it on Twitter already, but Chris Freed uh, over on Twitter says, will the flyers regret firing Hextall, which I would say no. Now that he's the GM of the Pens, predict the first trade between Hextall and Fletcher for whom and for what. And I'm not going to let you get away with not giving an answer. I have one if you need me to buy you time. You can give an answer, but they're not going to trade former, with each other. Former Unless they trade Flyers, draft picks. Well, former Flyer, former Flyers, I can say it, former Flyers target Kasperi Kapanen huh, to the Flyers in exchange for draft pick compensation and an expiring deal. It works. It's great. Although the guy who was targeting Kasperi Kapanen when, when uh, the Flyers were the hottest on him was Ron Hextall. So maybe that one doesn't end up working out. If you had to make a trade, if I know it won't happen conceptually, can't just be a, a swap of picks. Is there, is there a, a deal to be made? No. Okay. I mean, I, there's guys on the Penguins that I like, Yeah. but are you going to pay Jake Gensel $6 million for four years? It's a lot of, it's a lot of coin. Um, you know, I mean, that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of player that I like, 
he's 26 and he's got, you know, he's a, he's a good goal scorer. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of their defense. I'm just no. not. So um, they need a defenseman. Can I interest you in Eric Gustafson and perhaps, <laughs> uh, so the, the, at the egg four, one, five, one, six, nine, six, six says I'm more intrigued, uh, as to how these athletes keep getting it, meaning COVID contact trace and suspend or find them. If there's a violation, it's a joke with the advantages they have in treatment, testing, and protection pay for someone to shop for you uh, to shop for you or mail a letter. I mean, um, you're getting into a lot of legal issues there, but just conceptually, the idea of finding players who are demonstrated or are proven to have engaged in reckless behavior in violation of the league's protocol and get fined. Well, let me say something to the egg that I also said to uh, our friend Bill Gordon on Twitter. Um, and this is and this was something that was that was important for me when I was telling my COVID story. It's it's that there is a stigma about getting COVID, that you are careless, that you don't care or you don't believe in this virus, um, that you don't, you're anti-mask, you know, things like that. Um, and that's not always the case. You know, I, I wore a mask everywhere I went. Um, uh, I try to maintain social distancing and, and things like that. I did all those things. And guess what? I still got COVID. And my case was pretty bad. Um, now I got through it, or I'm getting through it. Um, but just because these guys are multi-million dollar athletes doesn't mean that they're sitting there saying, screw it, we're going to go out and party. Some cases, maybe. In which case, you know, I think that the league should come down hard. And they did on the Capitals. You know, the Capitals had four guys get together. And there were ramifications for that. Um, but... Sometimes you just get it innocuously. You don't even know how you get it. You can get it pumping gas, right? I mean, there's so many different ways to catch COVID and you don't even realize it because maybe you get it from somebody who's asymptomatic and they don't even know that they have it. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to sit here, especially as someone who's going through this and to arbitrarily blame them for being careless because I don't necessarily know that for that to be true. And, you know, unless there's evidence that comes out and says that that's what the case was, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the right thing. And uh, they just happen to catch COVID. And what are you going to do? You know, and again, it could be a situation where one guy gets it, doesn't realize he has it, comes to practice, you know, and they're skating around, they're talking to each other, on the ice, and then three days later, two other guys have it because they were talking to their teammate on the ice. Is that, is that doing something that is um, careless? They're doing their jobs, what they're getting paid for, and they could catch it that way too. So I, I just have a hard time. You know, I, I, we got to stop with the people being careless thing. Unless there's evidence that that's the case, um, you know, you, anybody can catch COVID, including mask wearers. Which is why I think it's really hard to uh, to enforce any kind of policy that you would try to, unless it was an egregious violation. All right, let's keep going. Um, Sean Moore asks, can any of the team practice during this or no? It would be awesome to get some practice time to clean up some of the issues and try to turn a negative into a positive. Well, eventually they can practice. 
when the NHL gives them the all clear. Um, but when they're on pause, they're on pause. There's no on ice work. Now they could probably do, and the, what they will do is like virtual coaching video work and stuff like that through computer. Um, but they they cannot skate together until the league takes them off of pause. So there, there's nothing for the flyers, at least for the next couple of days. Um, maybe by the weekend, you know, if nobody else tests positive or has to go into the protocol um, and it's just three players and they're isolated, <laughs> excuse me, isolated, then maybe by the weekend, the league says, okay, you can get back on the ice and start practicing. Um, but as of now, no, they, they won't practice tomorrow and they probably won't practice Thursday, uh, Thursday either. Barry Schaefer asks a non-Flyers question to try to lighten the mood. Who has the best backhand shot, Crosby, Kane, or someone else? That's hard to say. Um, both of those guys have an incredible backhand. Um, I'll, I'll give it to I'll give it to Kane. I'll give it to Patrick Kane. Um, just because he scored, he scored so many goals that way. Uh, Crosby's great. I mean. He's right there too. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either answer. Um, Crosby's just, I just think of Crosby. I think of a guy who's more of a playmaker and I think of Kane as more of a finisher. So that's why I think I probably pick Kane and that's probably the only reason I pick him over Crosby. Um, another thing in light of the outbreak or lack, uh, uh, or, or for lack of a better word, do the Flyers consider shutting Oscar Lindblom down, seeing as he is at enhanced risk of coming um, into an issue with this because of his cancer battle? Yeah, it's just it's a great question. Um, but again, I'm sure there's constant communication and consultation with his cancer doctors with <clears throat> all of this. Um, I, I don't think that they would say, oh, go ahead and play if it, if he was – in more danger. Um, so, uh, you know, I, it's a good question. It's one worth pondering, but I think it's probably something that, you know, that we, you know, we're not reporting on a daily basis, but something that there's that kind of daily conversation that's going on behind the scenes between the trainers, the team doctors and his cancer docs and making sure that everybody's on the same page on what to do with Oscar um, at all times. I believe that is it for all the questions that we got today, Anthony. I mean, there were I some mean, that you, were, you there, threw there were some there, redundancies, what, 30, but you threw it out there 30 seconds before we started recording. Yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of other ones, but they were all more or less redundant. So um, I think that's probably a good place to, uh, to end. I, I thought about doing a, um, a know the goalie for this week, but I want to give you one more week to rest up and to recover before we go. Thanks, all, go all in on that one. So um, listen, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll be back next week, right? I mean, well, I mean, they may play Sunday. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a possibility. Well, I mean, we'll definitely be back. I was trying to think of if there was a reason that we would get together again this week to do an episode. The only way I could see that if it gets out if, of hand is if it gets worse and yeah. a lot worse, then obviously we'll do an update show later this week. Um, 
What a crazy thing. I mean, I think we all knew going into this that there was a chance that something like this could happen. Uh, we will just hope that everything works out for the players who have been affected, for their families, and um, for anybody out there who uh, in their own personal lives are battling this or have a, a loved one or somebody else in their life who's doing the same. Um, because uh, it doesn't matter how much money you make or uh, where you're from, you're always, you know, potentially out there and, and uh, available in some way, shape or form to, to get this thing. So we hope that everybody's well. We hope that everybody who's listening is well. Don't forget, you can follow us over on Twitter at snow the goalie you can find anthony at ant san philly you can find me at joy on broad of course those handles are all in the description of the episode you can find us on instagram at the same handles you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash snow the goalie uh you can also don't forget subscribe to the show if you haven't already uh, and you've made it this far you may as well subscribe i don't know what else you'd be doing apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts now amazon music under their podcast don't forget you can say alexa play snow the goalie you can ask siri to play snow the goalie a flyers podcast you can say hey google play snow the goalie and it'll play the most recent episode you don't even have to whip your phone out you don't have to take a computer out you don't have to have your tablet out just go hands free and listen to snow the goalie for anthony at ant san philly i'm russ at joy on broad thanks so much for listening and listen it can't get any worse oh it can hopefully it doesn't get any worse <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week